a while to get. And then Steve is going to come and preach. Today's reading is from Matthew 21, verses 23. The authority of Jesus questioned. Jesus entered the temple courts and, while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, Why did it, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, we are afraid of the people, for they all hoped that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. The parable of the two sons. What do you think? There was a, well, there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first son and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said to said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what the, his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to, to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Good morning. Okay, John. Yeah. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you for the opportunity and the privilege of meeting together here in your name. Father, would you help us to listen and to understand what you want to speak to us about. Lord, just give us those ears to listen to you. Amen. So as Tim mentioned, we're starting a a series today about following Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And what does that mean to us? And today we're starting with being authentic. And what do we mean by authentic? Now we heard some answers earlier on about, I'm sure John Andrews actually has read my talk because that's later on, but um, being the real thing, being true to ourselves, being what Jesus wants us to be. All those sorts of things are, are what authentic's about. I always like to look in the, uh, in the dictionary and look at the real meaning of words. That's a bit of my OCD coming out. And it's quite interesting to look at the word authentic. To start with, it means 
of undisputed origin or authorship, genuine, accurate in representation of the facts, trustworthy, reliable. But then the dictionary tells me something that it comes from the Latin word authenticus, which means coming from the author. And for us as Christians, as we seek to be authentic 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we need to be constantly looking at Jesus. As the writer to the Hebrews describes him, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So coming from the author. So that's our starting point. In the Bible passage that we've just heard, Jesus is being asked to prove his authority, his authenticity. Now we need to remember that just before, the day before this conversation with the chief priests, Jesus has ridden into Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna. He's then proceeded to go into these very same temple courts and overturn the tables of the money changers and the dove sellers and cause havoc. Now the Jewish elders are wanting to know precisely who this young upstart really is. Now I don't know if you've ever seen the TV documentary series Back to the Floor where there's senior managers of various companies, often very large companies, um, spend a few days working alongside some of their employees right down at ground level. They use it as a way of finding out what's really happening in their company. If their employees knew who was actually working alongside them, I'm sure they'd behave in a very different way. But here the boss sees the authentic way of life for his employees. So what does being authentic mean for us as Christians? Firstly, authentic Christians are transparent. Now I don't mean invisible, like the, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen Chicago, the musical. There's a song in there called Mr. Cellophane, where the character laments that you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know I'm there. That's not what I'm talking about. What I mean by transparency could be summed up by the phrase, what you see is what you get. Now most of you know I'm a bit of a computer geek, nerd, whatever. Um, and 20 odd years ago when, probably 30 years ago now, which shows my age, when computers, home computers were in their infancy, what you see is what you get was the holy grail for software authors. Getting something on screen that represented accurately what you were going to get out of your printer. It's something nowadays we just take for granted. In many ways, we should be the same. And it's time now for us to be honest about what's happening in our own lives and honest about the issues we may have with other people. When people look at us, what do they see? What I hope they see in me, and it may not always be true, is someone who tries to see the best in others, tries to follow the biblical principle of acting in a way that I would like to see others act towards me. What I hope they don't see is a comment that was made to me many years ago by a non-Christian work colleague, that there was more Christianity in her little finger than there was in another colleague who happened to be a Christian. May God help us not to act in a way that diminishes the faith that we have, but may God help us to be transparent and real. This transparency should be in our relationships 
with God? And if we look at our relationship with God, are we honest with God about our lives? Do we daily turn to him with the issues we may be having? Being transparent in our relationship with God suggests that we need to be vulnerable and humble before him. Secondly, and sometimes it's the most difficult place to be transparent, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to recognize our strengths and our weaknesses. And one of the best ways of doing that is by having a mentor or spiritual director or whatever other name you want to give it. Having one person who you can really talk to about the struggles you may be having or to help you understand about more about your strengths and your weaknesses so we can set ourselves on the path to developing authenticity in our lives. And thirdly, we need to be transparent in our relationships with other people. It's not just with the person who may be mentoring us, but also with our friends at school or college, with our neighbours or our work colleagues. Do they know what really makes us tick? Would they be aware of our faith? And would that faith be seen as a help to us? The second thing that authentic Christians have is character. Bill Hybels, a pastor of Willow Creek, describes character in a very simple phrase. Who you are when no one else is looking. That begins to get to the root of character because it's more than just the image we present of ourselves. We live in a world that's obsessed by style, by image, by presentation. The celebrity culture dominates our media and that means that people increasingly define themselves by what they have and what they wear far more than what they do or who they are. In this environment, style seems to win out over substance. You can be anything you want in our designer world, but the substance of who you are is not so easily hidden. Who we are when no one else is looking. It not only affects us in our private moments, it also seeps out into the public arena. Character will always shine through and is often more clearly seen by those around us, and particularly that sort of mentor character, than by ourselves. And it most clearly reveals itself in three ways. It reveals itself in the small things. For example, how we treat people, in particular those people who can't do anything for us, who we don't want anything from, or for whom we have no responsibility. It reveals itself when we're under pressure. For example, when we have one of those days. On good days, it's easy to keep the mask in place. But when someone unjustly accuses us, when there's simply too much to do, when we make a mistake and have to decide whether to own up, when the person we find it most difficult to get along with asks for something beyond what would normally be expected. When we're tired, when someone isn't pulling their own weight, when God seems distant and far away, it's then often that the mask can slip and the real person surfaces. That's part of our character. And as Alan said earlier, it's not always very nice. And thirdly, when we're in private, the measure of a person's character is what they're like if they knew they would never be found out. In private, when there isn't an audience to play to, when we think we can get away with it, what are we really like? So does our character 
reflect our faith? Or do we have our Sunday morning mask that just slips away when we end up at work on a, on a Monday morning? Thirdly, authentic Christians have integrity. Now, back in the 70s, Coca-Cola was sold with the advertising slogan, it's the real thing. The company was trying to ensure that their cola drink was the real one and stayed ahead of their bitter rivals, Pepsi and ahead of the supermarket brands that were coming to the fore at that time. Now, I wonder, is anyone here who likes Coke? Ryan, first hand up. <laughs> Kate's thinking, oh no. <laughs> right, taste test. Can you tell the difference between real Coke and fake Coke? Yeah? You reckon? Come on then. Now we've got real Coke in a glass bottle, the only way Coke should be served. And Cola Zero by Sainsbury's. What on earth the point? <laughs> so... You sure about this? Oh yes, I'll meddle them up, don't worry. Right, close your eyes. Right. Hey, well, try them both and tell me which one is the real one. Never work with children, they say, don't they? Fake, real, yes. <laughs> He's right. Fake, real. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> Fake and real. Now, having integrity, being the real thing, it's not always easy. Well, it is there, isn't it? It's very easy to tell the difference between real Coke and Sainsbury's Cola Zero. <laughs> I, I hated buying that stuff. This year, through the last few weeks in our Summer Sunday series, we've been looking at the life of Peter. Now we only have to look back to the night of Jesus' trial to understand how hard integrity, how hard being real to ourselves can be. Peter had promised Jesus that he would go with him to prison and to death. But as soon as he, the going got tough and Peter was put to the test, he denied even knowing Jesus. Obviously, that's not the end of the story. We only heard last week about how Peter, how much integrity Peter had when it came to following Jesus and how he paved the way for non-Jews to be included into the infant church. We are challenged to have that sort of integrity, to do what God would have us do, even if it goes against the accepted thinking. There are many stories of people who have stood up for what they believed, against all the odds. And one of those people is Eric Liddell, Scottish sprinter and missionary. As some of you are probably old enough to have watched Chariots of Fire. Um, some of you won't even have heard of the film. At the Paris Olympics in 1924, Eric Liddell refused to compete in the 100 metres, which was by far and away his best event, because the heats were being held on a Sunday. He went on to win the 400 metres in a world record time, smashing his personal best by something like two or three seconds. And he was inspired by a quote that was given to him in a slip of paper just before the start of the race 
by the, an American coach. And the quote said, those who honor me, I will honor. Eric Liddell went on to honor God during the Second World War in internment camps in, um, well, first of all, it was a missionary in China, and then in internment camps, of Japanese internment camps. And it was there that one of his fellow internees who wrote after, about the experiences after the, they came back home, that he described Eric Liddell as the finest Christian gentleman it has been my pleasure to meet. In all the time in the camp, I never heard him say a bad word about anybody. Would our friends and colleagues be able to say the same thing about us? Now, I've just been on a holiday, and um, on the way, on the flight over, I watched the film, The Adjustment Bureau. Now, the main character is a United States senator, played by Matt Damon, and he's making a speech to his supporters. And all, as always seems to be the case with politicians, both here in the United States as well as here, he's been instructed on everything he should do, everything he should say, and everything he should be. Then suddenly, in the middle of this speech, and to the consternation of his team of, of advisors, he starts being honest about who he is and begins to understand what it is to, have authentic, to be authentic and to have that integrity. And hopefully we're going to watch the clip now. Thanks, Tim. I grew up not far away from here in Red Hook. I love you both. But we had a rule in my neighborhood. When you got in a fight, it wasn't whether or not you got knocked down. It's what you do when you get back up. And I came here to tell you tonight, that I will get back up. Um, we, we didn't have that saying in my neighborhood. It's just one of those phrases that... Uh, it had some traction with the focus group, and so we kept using it, but it's not true. You know, in 1998, I did a cover story for GQ. The title was Youngest Congressman Ever. And since then, every story has tried to explain how I got here so fast. And the, and the word that people kept uh, using was authentic. Uh, but here's the problem. This isn't even my tie. Go get Jim this tie was selected for me by a group of specialists in Tenafly, New Jersey, who chose it over 56 other ties we tested. In fact, our data suggests that I have to stick to either a tie that is red or a tie that is blue. A yellow tie made it look as if I was taking my situation lightly, and I may, in fact, pull my pants down again at any moment. A silver tie meant that I'd forgotten my roots. My shoes, you know, shiny shoes, we associate with uh, high-priced lawyers and bankers. 
If you want to get a working man's vote, you need to scuff up your shoes a little bit. But you can't scuff them up so much that you alienate the lawyers and the bankers because you need them to pay for the specialist back in Tenafly. So what is the proper scuffing amount? You know, we actually paid a consultant $7,300. Was, was it $7,300, Charlie? $7,300 for a consultant to tell us that this is the perfect amount of scuffing. Great film, you must watch it if you've not seen it already. It's time for us, though, as Christians, to be a people who have real integrity. For far too long, the church in its broadest sense has been accused of having double standards. If we're to be seen as a people of integrity and of authenticity, then now is the time for us to stand up for what we believe and to not be ashamed of the gospel we believe in. One thing that seemed to provoke Jesus more than others was pretense. His most angry remarks were often reserved for the chief priests, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who pretended to be what they were not. They were so busy trying to be perfect, they forgot to be honest. We see it clearly in today's passage. When Jesus informed them, sorry, when Jesus asked them where John's baptism came from, they were too busy worrying about their own positions, about their own self-importance, to answer truthfully. They were too concerned about what the people might say. So they just say, we don't know. Then at the end of the parable, the two sons, Jesus says to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to show you the, show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Pretense is not where God wants us to be. God wants us to have that integrity, to have authenticity. So there we have three statements of what being an authentic Christian may mean. Authentic Christians are transparent. Authentic Christians have character. Authentic Christians have integrity. Now, there are many other statements that we could come up with, many we came up with earlier on. Um, but the key for any of the things we listen to or discuss with each other on a Sunday morning is what difference will it make to us tomorrow morning? How can we live our lives as authentic Christians 24-7? One way we can encourage each other is by talking about the difference being a Christian makes to our everyday lives. And... I think one of the greatest benefits of testimonies, telling others where we are and what we have become through Christ, is that it keeps us honest about who we were, about who we are, and about who we have to thank for getting us there. By being truthful and authentic about who you were before Christ, before Christ came into your life, that way you may give hope to other people who are still in that place. By being authentic about where you are now, you can encourage others to be honest about themselves. In the second part of today's passage, in the, in the parable of the two sons, Jesus challenges the chief priests and asks them which of the two sons did what his father wanted. We could ask, 
Who was authentic in their actions? It's quite an easy answer, isn't it? It's the first one. He did the right thing in the end. Although it's the way he went about it, sort of saying, no, I'm not going to, and then doing it, could be a bit strange, and there's lots more in there. Sometimes we may know the right path. We may know how to be authentic in our lives. But we're apprehensive about what that may lead in store for us if we go down that path. Over the next few weeks, as we learn together what it takes to follow Jesus 24-7, let's remember the words that God said to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Being an authentic Christian means taking the way we are on a Sunday morning out with us on a Monday morning, wherever that may be. And learning together, learning from each other, learning with each other as we talk and are honest and authentic amongst ourselves is the best way of doing that. So to to be authentic 24-7, as we go back to the start, we need to be constantly looking at Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we can run with perseverance the race that's been marked out before us. Let us be a church that encourages each other to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's be a church that encourages each other to be honest, to be authentic, and to encourage each other in our journey as we aim to follow Jesus 24-7. Amen. Let's respond to Steve's message by just thinking how 